Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh, and I'm very excited to be joined by Alabama beat reporter Clint Lamb coming over from BamaInsider.com. Clint, thanks so much for being here, man. How's it going? It's going fantastic, Tommy. How you doing today, man? Doing good. Really excited for Saturday, as I'm sure you guys over there are over there in, in Tuscaloosa. Let's get right into this highly anticipated Week 2 matchup. First, I want to start talking a little bit about the Crimson Tide. With the, what are your overall thoughts on their week one opener against Utah State? What did you see them do really well, and then what did they struggle with? Uh, I still think there's some issues to work out, you know, on the offensive line. Uh, Emil Ikior Jr., who is going to be the starting right guard, he missed most of the week with an illness. And the way that Alabama likes to operate, if you don't practice, you don't play. Now, he did end up practicing the last couple of days, so he was in the, you know, he was going through warm-ups, but he was going through it with the second-team offense, and that had a lot of people concerned. Was this a disciplinary issue? It obviously didn't look injury-related with him going through drills or through pregame warm-ups, but that, you know, that really we had no idea that that was coming. And uh, so what they did was they shifted their starting left guard, Kendall Randolph, over to right guard, and they inserted JV and Cohen in there uh, to replace him. He was actually the team's starting left guard last year, so that was a very natural thing to do. Uh, there's still an ongoing competition on, at that left guard spot. So it made sense, but the fact that it was kind of makeshift a little bit, Kendall Randolph had not really practiced a ton at right guard, even though you know the new offensive line coach, Eric Wolford, likes to call, uh, cross-train guys. You, you saw kind of a makeshift offensive line right there at the last second, and I think early on you saw some issues, but then – you know, I think that the unit started to settle down a little bit, and then Emil Ikior Jr. came in, I think, at some point, probably on the third or fourth drive. And really, from the time that he came in and they kicked Ken Randolph back over to the left side, the very first play, you saw adequate protection for Bryce Young. And then on the the you know ensuing play, they ended up probably getting their best push as far as in the run game, and they were able to get quite a you know solid gain out of that. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm overly concerned about the offensive line, but just based off of what happened last year, it was so limiting for that, you know, 2021 squad. And the fact that, you know, really a lot of people looked at it and they said, okay, if it struggled so much last year, plus you're, you've lost your best offensive lineman in Evan Neal, it's got to take another step back. But really, I think the new offensive line coach has brought a lot of, you know, enthusiasm and energy to the group. And I think it's going to end up being pretty good, but that would probably be the biggest concern and then probably the biggest strength, and even though it didn't you know, reflect in, on the stat sheet, is the pass rush. And I think that it was the fact that Utah State, they thought that they could win some matchups on the perimeter. And you know, early, the first play of the, the game, they ended up testing Tyrion Arnold, you know, a first-year starter. At corner, they threw, I think it was a 23-yard gain and completed it. And then from that point forward, you just didn't see a whole lot as far as you know, coming from their offense. And they were, I think they more so shifted to getting the football out of the, the quarterback's hands quickly, trying to not allow the the pass rush, you know, the trio between uh, um, Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, and Dallas Turner to take over the game and make them beat them in other ways. And so I think that a lot of teams are going to have to take that same approach this year because I don't know that I've ever seen a trio of pass rushers this talented. Uh, so I would probably say that that's the strength, and then the biggest question mark would be the, along the offensive line. We're going to touch back on the pass rush a little bit later, but I want to lead into my next question. Uh, what, what do you get the sense that around the program, what, what would you say the perceived weakness of Texas is going into this week? And how, what's the Tide's plan to sort of exploit that? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, you know, I probably would go back to the offensive line for Texas. And, you know, I've told a lot of people, I think this is going to be one of the best offensive lines in the country in a couple of years. Right now, they're just dealing with a ton of youth. They've recruited the position extremely well. And I think Kelvin Banks in that, you know, season opener, he actually looked pretty good. But going against, you know, Will Anderson or Dallas Turner is going to be a completely different test. And so you've got, I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, two true freshmen starting and a couple of sophomores starting as well. So it's just a young offensive line. And I think that, you know, that having a stack up against what we perceive to be the best pass rush in the country that Alabama is going to be bringing, I think that that's going to present a lot of challenges for Texas. And if they can give Quinn Ewers, you know, adequate protection, I think that this is going to be a pretty good ball game. I, I really think that it's going to come down to how well that offensive line is able to do, uh, whether it be creating, you know, run lanes for B. John Robinson or giving Quinn Ewers enough time to throw the football. But, you know, I do think that that would probably be my number one concern for Texas going in. There are a couple of other issues as well. You know, I think the defense is a lot better. It's very hard to take things away from, you know, a game against Louisiana Monroe. You know, it's kind of the same issue that Alabama's offensive line had with Utah State. You think it kind of looks better overall, but you really need to need to get into a game like this to really see exactly where you stand. So, you know, defensively, I think it's going to be very important to apply as much pressure to Bryce Young as possible. He's very good at handling pressure, but just, you know, you got to start there and get Alabama out of its comfort zone, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I want to talk about the Alabama offense a little bit. Obviously, we all know what Bryce Young can do, but when it comes to defending the run game, Texas did a good job last week doing that against Louisiana Monroe, but like you said, it's a big jump from Louisiana Monroe to the number one team in the country. They add transfer Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech over the offseason. What does he bring to the offense, and what could the run game look like this Saturday, and you know, what, what, what can we expect from the, the Alabama offense on that front? Yeah, I think that one of the big issues with Alabama last year is that they had to work so far into their depth and they just kept getting injuries at the running back position. And not only did you struggle as far as, you know, being able to keep Bryce Young adequately protected, but you also weren't able to run the football consistently enough to be able to provide, you know, some play action elements to your offense to play off of that. Uh, this year, with the return of Jace McClellan and Roydale Williams from those torn ACLs, uh, both players look really good against Utah State. I think they're both, you know, they probably aren't 100%, but they're pretty close. And then, you know, like you mentioned, you've now added Jameer Gibbs to that backfield as well, and he brings such a dynamic presence to the position. You know, he can do so many different things from you. I still think there are some question marks in pass coverage, or excuse me, in uh, pass protection. But I think as far as, you know, being able to run the football, he runs a lot bigger than his size would indicate at only 5'11", 200. He doesn't seem to shy away from contact, which is typically what you would get out of a guy who's very electric. He doesn't mind contact, but really, you know, his, his, I think one of the biggest improvements that he made over the course of just last week, you know, during the game, was there was a couple of plays where maybe I think he tried to bounce it outside and use his athleticism instead of following his blocks. And then over the course of the game, you know, he started understanding, I need to follow my guys. And, and you saw the improvement happen you know, in, in real time. Right. And so just, you know, the fact that he can provide such a threat out of the backfield, the fact that he can run the football, he's a home run hitter. You know, there was one that I think a lot of people thought he was going to rip off last week against Utah state ended up getting tackled. Uh, but I think it was a 58 yard gain, but 
you'll see this guy, he'll get tackled for, you know, a three or four yard gain. He'll get tackled, you know, at the line of scrimmage a couple of times, and then he'll rip one off, you know, for a 60 yard gain. And then his averages look fantastic. That's just the kind of player that he is. And I think with Alabama's offensive line still trying to figure some things out, you'll get that quite a bit on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly a different style of running back than Alabama's really had during the Nick Saban era. And I'm excited to see what he can do against a defense like Texas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, we'll certainly see how the Texas defense responds after a really good game uh, against the run last week. Uh, Let's talk about the Alabama defense now. Obviously, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, three of the best defensive players in the nation. But you mentioned touched on this earlier at the start of the video. They failed to record a sack last week against Utah State. But that being said, I saw that Utah State was only allowed on average two seconds to get the ball out of their quarterback's hand. So obviously good pressure still being applied. We talked about the youth of the Texas offensive line earlier. What do you think the pass rush is going to look like this weekend? And is there another name that we may hear a lot that doesn't end with Anderson Turner or Braswell? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it certainly starts with them. And, and from what we had heard throughout kind of the spring a little bit and then into fall camp is they have a package where they get all three players on the field at the same time. And they do that in a variety of ways. You know, Chris Braswell, pound for pound, is probably one of the strongest. He probably is the strongest player on the team. So they play him inside a little bit in those certain packages. And then you'll have Anderson and, and Turner out there on the outside. They have a package, I think, where – you know, Braswell and Anderson are your two edge rushers, and you've got Dallas Turner kind of lined up as a shallow Mike linebacker who's going to be coming on a blitz and really applying pressure inside. But then from there, you know, the, one of my big question marks about the defense coming in is they have a, a, a lot of veteran experience across their defensive front, you know, especially out there on the edge. But they have tons of experience on the inside too, very deep at that position. But really all that experience you don't have any set proven interior pass rusher so you know you're going to get that exterior pass rush how are you going to complement it with that one interior guy and I think that you know uh, in the spring and like I said in the fall camp a guy like Jamil Burroughs really stepped up and provided some of that you didn't see him a lot last week I think that if you end up uh, having you know a guy like um, really I think Jaheim Otis is going to be a big part of this football game because of a guy like Bijan Robinson. They're going to try to run the football and take as much pressure off of Quinn Ewers as possible. So you could see him getting after the quarterback in some of those instances. He's a true freshman, big body guy, but I think he has a lot more twitch than people realize. But really when you are talking about getting after the quarterback and applying pressure, I think Jamil Burroughs is certainly a good option. You've also got guys like Justin Aboigby. I thought he played one of his best games in a Crimson Tide uniform last week. And he's a uh, you know go, going into his or he's in his senior year I guess so he's got plenty of experience. It really it just uh, they have a lot of run stoppers. They, they don't really ask their interior defensive linemen to, to apply pressure a ton, but I think you do got a couple of guys in there who can maybe apply some pressure. I want to talk about applying pressure a little bit more, but more on the Texas side. You know, you mentioned the the issues on the offensive line for Alabama. If the Texas defensive line can put good pressure on Bryce Young, you mentioned earlier how he excels under pressure, but they put good enough pressure that it sort of throws him off a little bit. How much of an effect does that have on the Alabama offense? 
Well, I think that what it does is it limits what Bill O'Brien can do. You know, Bryce Young does certainly do, you know, a lot of things well as far as, you know, creating more time, whether it be, you know, in the pocket, whether it be escaping the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield. And I think last week he showed a willingness to run the football, a lot more of a willingness than we saw at any point last season. He's always been this guy that can do it. Just for whatever reason, you never really saw it too much. And I don't know if that was just a Utah State thing, like he had saw something on film where maybe – you know, he felt confident in his ability to be able to run the football and, and not get, you know, uh, big hits because he's only 194 pounds. One of the best things that he's, you know, good at is when he does run the football, he avoids those big hits. I didn't see that as, you know, well last week. But um, I would say that for Bill O'Brien, just the offensive line and it being such a hindrance last year, it really limited what he could do. You know, a lot of fans were really upset. I think it was the Texas A&M game where they're down there on the goal line. It was, the you know, the only regular season game that they lost. And they, you know, threw the football three times there on the goal line and then ended up having to kick a field goal. And for Alabama, that's just that's not like them. And it's because Bill O'Brien and really, I think the coaching staff in general just really didn't trust the, the group that they had. So if, if you start seeing that offensive line present a lot of the same problems that they did last year, I think that's immediately going to cap what Bill O'Brien's able to do. And when you start throwing in that home environment for Texas, and, you know, getting, you know, the, the crowd at your back and things like that, it could start, create uh, you know, uh, causing a lot of issues. And I think that the game that you would look at as far as a comp, you know, uh, a comp for it would be the Iron Bowl last year. You know, Auburn didn't have a ton of talent on defense. They weren't known as being this dynamic, you know, defense that creates a ton of issues. That Alabama offense struggled. I mean, all the way until the very last drive of the, of the you know, regulation, they could get nothing going. Bryce Young, I think, was sacked seven times. And, you, you know, Auburn really probably should have won that football game. And so if if they go on the road in a, t- in a tough environment like that and Texas can provide some pressure, it can certainly cause the Alabama offense some problems. Really good note there that I'll have to keep in mind going into Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about more of Alabama's defensive plan now. We were talking about this before the show. You know, obviously, I think the two things that Alabama wants to do to limit the Texas offense is take away B. John Robinson in every way possible and then sort of force Quinn Ewers to make some rush decisions, get him under pressure, make him think a lot as he's a young quarterback, just one collegiate start under his belt. What sort of looks can we expect this Alabama defense to line up and to sort of uh, work towards getting that game plan enacted? Well, I think, uh, like I said, Jaheim Otis, you know, he's 6'5", 342 pounds. He was 400 pounds when he arrived in Tuscaloosa back in January. And he's done a great job as a freshman. He said he was going to come in and, and put in all the work that he needed to to get his body right. I mean, when you're 400 pounds, I don't, you know, I don't think any of us really believed it would be quick. I thought he would spend pretty much in his entire freshman season with that being the, the focus for him. Instead, he fixes it by the time fall camp gets underway. And now he's just, you know, listed as a co-starter and he's contributing. And he didn't contribute a whole lot last week. He did see some snaps and you saw some flash plays. But I think, you know, when you're trying to make sure that a guy like B. John Robinson doesn't beat you, you want to, the first thing you want to do is stop him from being able to run the football because that's where everything opens up. Play action, you know, the entire thing, your entire playbook opens up 
when you're able to effectively run the football. So I think that he's going to play an, an important part of that. I think some of these other Alabama defenders, you know, DJ Dell, Byron Young, like I said, Justin Aboybe, it'll be kind of a collective effort, but it's, you know, really if they're able to get, you know, stop Bijan on early downs, then I think you got some packages that can provide some pressure on Quinn Ewers, or at least I think that will be the plan. But one thing that we know about Alabama's defense historically, and we'll see if this continues to be the case, they've struggled covering running backs and tight ends. Uh, you know, it, it really, when you look even last year, the year before, you know, I, I would say Texas has got a pretty good running back, a couple of pretty good running backs, and they got a pretty good tight end, Jatavian Sanders. So I'll be curious to see how they attack that and who they try to cover him with because I thought he was such a great safety blanket for Quinn Ewers last week. Um, we'll see if he's able to get open on Saturday. I certainly think it's a possibility. Yeah, really running back and tight end were the two positions that flashed for Texas in that week one victory over ULM as JT Sanders, the leading receiver uh, for the Longhorns over there at that tight end position. And then, you know, if they if Alabama puts pressure on Sanders, you've got Gunnar Helm in there as well as a very capable tight end has great hands and can get downfield on you in a hurry. And then obviously B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson and Keelan Robinson, three of the best running backs, uh, maybe one of the best running back cores in the country. Uh, last two questions for you, Clint. Uh, talking about the Tides injury, are there any major, may, sorry, any major injuries across the board that can really affect how they approach this game? Uh, I wouldn't say so. Not at the moment. Now, granted, Cameron Latou has been out. You know, they're they're starting tight end, and he was such a big playmaker for Alabama last year. He, I think he broke the record for receiving touchdowns for a tight end, you know, in school history with, I think, eight. Uh, he's a big-body guy, 6'5", I think 244 pounds. He provides that kind of mismatch problem that makes it very difficult. We talk about Jatavian Sanders and just being 6'4", 242 pounds. It's just and he, the fact that he's such an athlete, right? I mean, you look at that and you say, okay, how are we going to be able to match up with not only the size but the athleticism? And I think that Alabama has some options. Obviously, I think you know with Demari uh, uh, Overton or excuse me, um, I'm forgetting Overshone. his name. Overshone. Overshone. Yeah, uh, I, I keep want to call him Overton. I've been doing it all week. Um, but with him, I think you've got an option that Texas has that can cover a Cameron Latou. But he's now going to be coming back and participating in this game, or at least that we think that he is. He started practicing last week. He didn't play against Utah State. We do think that he's going to play against Texas, but that remains to be seen. They flexed out Robbie Utes quite a bit last week. I think he's more of an inline blocking tight end, but I think just out of necessity, they wanted to do some different things and move him around. I think Latou provides a little bit more of a dynamic threat in that area. Um, but, you know, I think that Texas has some ways to be able to try to stop him. It's just, that would probably be the biggest injury. You know, JoJo Earl was still out. He was supposed to be the starting slot receiver, but I think they found an adequate replacement in Kobe Prentice, the true freshman, who looked really good last week. I kind of wondered, would he be a, you know, a complimentary piece as a first-year player, or would he be a featured piece? And early on, when the game was still, you know, quote-unquote, in doubt against Utah State, he was a featured guy, and he was probably getting targeted more than any other receiver. So I think that's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, but with JoJo Earl, the coaching staff had raved about him and how much he had grown from last year. He was listed as a co-starter, as a true freshman. Didn't have the kind of first year that they were hoping for due to injuries. And now he's dealing with a foot issue that's going to keep him out So I think October. So that's that's one to note. And then Cameron Latou and just we expect him to be back, but how healthy is he going to be? That would probably be the two biggest ones. All right, so just two guys to worry about there uh, for the time. Last question before we get you, we get you out of here, Clint. Uh, this is a tough one. I know we're only one week into the season, but in your experience watching Nick Saban's teams, 
Where does this team sort of stand amongst the others in terms of overall talent on the roster? Uh, I think it's up there. I, I really do. And, you know, I think it's all relative. You know, it, I think last year, you know, Nick Saban described last year as being a rebuilding year. I, I think compared to other teams in the country, they were clearly one of the best. But when you compared it really to past Alabama rosters, it really didn't stack up, especially because of the issues along the offensive line. But this year, you know, it, it seems like they've taken a big step in that area. And I think that that's going to make a huge difference on their bottom line. I mean, I'm not just talking about win-loss, but I'm talking about consistency. I think that was a huge issue with the offense last year. As you saw a lot of explosive plays from Jamison Williams and John Mechie and, and other guys, but really just the consistent down-in, down-out, you know, uh, success, I think was very lacking on the offensive side of the football. So I think with the improvement with the offensive line, or at least the improvement that we're expecting, you've got an offensive line coach who a lot of people believe in, and Eric Wolford. And then, you know, in my opinion, this is the way that I've kind of explained it. Um, and really, there's no other way to put it. You return both coordinators. You return the best offensive player in college football, or one of them in Bryce Young. You return the best defensive player in college football, Will Anderson. You return, you know, a, a seven-time national championship winning head coach in Nick Saban. And then you, you know, return a roster that was already impressive, but then you throw in one of the top transfer portal classes in the country with multiple, you know, impact starters from day one. You throw in the number two recruiting class in the country that's going to have a couple of contributors like a Kobe Prentice or a Jaheim Otis. So I think overall you were able to replace a lot of your depth. Um, they, they got – really you look at every position and they've got options, right? I think the three biggest question marks were wide receiver, offensive line, and cornerback going into the year. And you didn't look at any of those positions and say, I don't know who's going to start because they don't have any options. It was they have a ton of options. It's just a matter of determining who's going to be the ones to step up. And so I think that's a pretty good problem to have. Doesn't mean that guys will step up at all those positions, but so far it seems pretty good. So I would say that this is certainly up there. I don't know that it would, you know, I think with Tom, we might put it as one of the best, but it's certainly in the conversation, even if it's this early in the season. All right. Great insight there, as always. Clint, thank you so much for joining us. That was a great conversation. Really enjoyed talking to you. Make sure to give Clint a follow on Twitter at Clint R. Lamb and keep up with all his work and all the great work that our friends over at Bama Insider do. That's going to wrap things up for us here on this episode of On Texas Football for Inside Texas. Thank you so much for watching this episode. And make sure to come back tomorrow as I'll be joined by Ian Boyd for our weekly game preview episode. And be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel as you can keep up with all the content throughout this week and beyond. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison, and all the great folks at Inside Texas, my name is Tommy Yar saying thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.